That is the Vance Memorial Presbyterian Church Choir under the direction of Mrs. Debbie Briding with soloist Melissa Cheo Hartle and Zach Sikowski. From the 20th chapter of Exodus today, we hear God's rules for living in community. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. 
honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, or we will die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you, so that you do not sin. And then we turn today to the 20th chapter of Matthew, 21st chapter of Matthew, excuse me. Jesus speaking in parables. Now, this is Holy Week, and Jesus has wreaked all kind of havoc throughout the land, and he's really, really making the chief priests and the Pharisees angry because he's stirring up the people and he's overturned the tables in the temple. And he tells this Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And again, he sent out other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them the same way. And finally, he said to his finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to himself, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to Jesus, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the, the fruit at harvest time. That Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. And it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. 
When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. And they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I sold a church yesterday. Well, not so much me as a committee and not so much sold as developed a contract, but essentially, for all intents and purposes, I sold a church yesterday. It's a strange thing, selling a church. Taking something once so sacred and turning it into a doctor's office or an ice cream parlor or raising it for a parking lot. Very strange. Yes, this once holy place where people were baptized and married and buried, where holidays were celebrated and potlucks held, will soon be no more. This place that once produced good fruit. Produces no more. And not for lack of trying, not for a lack of faith, not for any real fault of the people. Just no more fruit. You know fruit. Fruit is the stuff that we Jesus followers are supposed to produce for the kingdom of God. It is at the heart of the parable that Jesus tells today. The tenants owed the landowner fruit from the vineyard as part of the costs of renting the land. So when the landowners, representatives show up, they are simply asking for their fair Share, which makes the violence with which they are treated all the more strange. Knowing that the tenants owe the landowner fruit, why wouldn't they just pay up? Turn over the fruit you owe. seems to me there are two possibilities here. The first one is that perhaps they have no fruit. The tenants haven't done what they were supposed to. They haven't worked hard enough and prayed over the vineyard. They haven't tended it well enough. And there isn't anything to give. Possible. But more likely... They have plenty of fruit. And they could choose to share it with the landowner and with the others, but they choose not to. Rather, their hearts are so blackened, their pockets are so constantly wanting, their lives are so needy that they want to keep everything for themselves without any concern for the landowner, his trusted servants, 
or his beloved son. They want what they want, and they will do anything to get it and to keep it. Contrast, if you will, these folks, these tenants, with the landowner. Now, spoiler alert here, fellas. Like in many of Jesus' parables, where the king or the woman chasing a lost coin or the landowner is the point of the story, the landowner is the point of the story. Look how different the landowner is from the what are often called wicked tenants. The landowner is simply asking for what is his due given the contract, the covenant, the agreement that he and the tenants have. He just wants some fruit for giving use of the land. Now, note that he doesn't ask for more fruit than he's entitled to, as far as we know. He doesn't ask for more rent for the land if they don't give him fruit. He just wants what he's entitled to. And he sends a group of slaves, servants, if you will, to retrieve his fruit. One is killed and one is stoned and one is badly beaten. Does that seem strange to you, the one who is badly beaten? You know why he's badly beaten and not killed? So he can go back to the landowner and tell him what they have done. Now, in most instances, a landowner would say, Oh my goodness. They're going to kill my trusted servants if I send them to retrieve the fruit. And even though it's fruit that I deserve and fruit that I have earned and fruit that I am owed, I'll let it go because I don't want any more of my trusted servants to be killed. But here we have a different kind of landowner. We could see him as naive, I suppose, for sending another group of his trusted servants. But instead of seeing him as naive, let us understand that he has a worldview that says we should all be fair. He's simply trying to retrieve what is already his. Give me the fruits I am owed. He could say. He sends another group, hoping against hope that the tenants will be fair this time. Well, no. The tenants do the same to this group. And once again, hoping against hope, the landowner who is fair and just and is only seeking that which is already his sends his son his beautiful boy 
to retrieve what is his. Who better to send to retrieve what is the landowner's than the one who will one day own it? And they kill the son as well. The wicked tenants saying to themselves, Come, let us have his inheritance for ourselves. Look how greedy they are. And how dumb, by the way, because no matter what they do, they're not going to get the son's inheritance. Now, here's yet another thing we learn about the landowner here. Because what it does not say, once again, is the landowner sent his army to crush and kill the tenants and ejected them from the vineyard and gave the land to different tenants whom he knew would not kill his trusted servants and his son and would give him the fruit that he was owed. No, the landowner... The landowner doesn't seem to do any of that in this tale. And the other important thing to note about this text is that Jesus, when he finishes telling the parable, turns to the people and says, What will the landowner do? And they answer, They answer, He will put them to death. The people listening who are very much like the wicked tenants know that the land, know for sure that the landowner will put the wicked tenants to death. But pay very close attention, fellas. That is not what Jesus says. It is the people answering Jesus who say that. We can know because of the way that the landowner operates. That is not what the landowner does. See, we as people listening, we as people observing, we as people thinking about a story like this, don't think like the landowner who obviously is allegorically representing God here. God doesn't wish us ill. God doesn't hope for our death. God doesn't seek our eternal damnation. God gives us chance after chance after chance to repent and be forgiven. In fact, when God saw no other possibility than to send his very own son for our benefit, God did it for us. We can be 
wicked tenants and reject the good gifts of God or we can be faithful stewards and repent of our ways and open our hearts and our lives to the Son who comes to retrieve good fruits lived in service to the kingdom of God. May we be faithful, repentant servants this day. Amen.